I'm excited about where we've been in the Word for the last three weeks, but I'm even more excited for where we're going today. For the last three weeks, we've been in a series called I Am. How many of y'all were here with us last Sunday? How many of y'all were flooded? Amen. If you were flooded, we were praying for you. Amen. But we missed you. We're glad you're back with us this morning. Uh, But we started a series three weeks ago called I Am because what I've learned over the years is that the thing that's missing in the church right now is that we have an understanding of what church is, but we don't even know who Jesus is. We have an understanding of the, of the congregation. We have the understanding of Sunday church service. We get up on Sunday mornings, we go to church, uh, if it's not raining. Amen. Um, we have an understanding. Come on, work with me. I know what Louisiana's like. Amen. Um, uh, I, I, we have an understanding that, oh, you know, I don't have to go to church all the time. I, you know, I can go when I'm comfortable, when I feel like it. You know, God understands, blah, 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 all that stuff. But the truth be told, in the church today, you start to sit down with somebody that's been in the church for a long time, and you ask them who Jesus is, they can't really even tell you. They can't even tell you the story. What they can tell you is that Jesus died on a cross because we've all heard it. They can tell you that Jesus died on a cross, was placed in a borrowed tomb, and three days later he rose again. But when you ask them why he rose again, most people can't even tell you. Because what's happening in the church day is we're following, we're saying we're following Jesus, but really we're just following the church existence. We're following the Sunday attendance. We're following the 10 o'clock Sunday hour. Instead of saying, no, I'm following the one who leads me to congregate with other believers. That's why I go to church on Sunday morning because I can fellowship with people who believe and I gain strength for my week. Rather than I'm only going to church on Sunday because that's what good little church folk do. And unfortunately, that's the culture that we live in. I, we've joked about it over the years. I, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know. I mean, I've been, I've been in different churches all over the nation, and I've been to some, but man, they'll pack the place out. They don't care. They'll come if it's a monsoon, hurricane, tornado, it doesn't matter. They're coming to church. Then you go to some places that it's sprinkling outside. They're not leaving. Or you go some places where they're like, eh, I'm just going to enjoy my cup of coffee and my robe and watch it online. And, and there's, there's an issue because we have watered down what God's called us to do because we really don't follow God anymore because we really don't know God anymore. And we don't know what he's, possible, what he's, what he's able to do. And we don't even know why he sent Jesus. We just hope that it works out for us in the end. I hate to say that, but that's what the church has become. And we've got to shift this because how can we know where we're going if we don't know who we're following? Oh, God, I want to see you do it. Do you even know who you're walking behind? Because let me just be honest, a lot of people today are following the pastor. Let me help y'all real quick. My pastor, my old pastor years ago, years ago that I worked for, said this. He said, one day I'll fail you. Please don't fail with me. He said, I have to follow God, and if I slip, I don't need you slipping too. So make sure that you're following God as well. There's this thing in the day in the church culture where the pastor has become bigger than the God we serve. Let me help us. I I, I can't be God. I won't be God. Don't ever ask me to be God because I'll tell you no. Don't don't ask me to answer what God would tell you. I'm not going to tell people, Pastor, what's the will of God for my life? Do I look like God? Do I look like I woke up this morning with angels surrounding me? Do I look like? No, no, I am Brian. That's it. My name is not written in this book. It's not in here. My Brian is not in Bible text. There's no book named after me, none of that. So the truth be told is, is that we have got to get to a better relationship with God, and we do that through Jesus. So we started the first week where we discovered I am. What is, what, what, we started with the first message, just I am, why I am. Because we needed to understand that without knowing him, we'll never know who we are. You cannot define creation until you define its creator. The second week we dealt with that he is or I am the bread of life. You want to be, you, you, you're hungering for more of God. You're thirsting for more of God. It's because you're not eating. You're just snacking. <laughs> bread filled. How many of y'all like bread in the room? Can I get an amen for somebody? Even you gluten-free, you know, wheat, disease, whatever you got, you still like bread. I like bread. I'm not going to lie to you. I like me some bread. Amen. I, I'll, break, I'll break bread out the loaf and put some butter on it and just eat it. Like, that's good food right there. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, man, that's good stuff, right? When my, my wife and I got married, I taught her how to make cinnamon toast. If you don't know how to make cinnamon toast, talk to me after church. I'll tell you how to make some cinnamon toast with some bread, and that's all you'll eat for the next week. Amen. But he says, I'm the bread of life. The only way you stop hungering for more of God is when you feed. Mmm. Problem in the church today is we treat God, we treat God like a buffet line, picking and choosing what we want. Let me help with some. How many of y'all like Brussels sprouts in the room? I don't. But there's Brussels sprouts on that buffet line. And God says, eat that. I don't want to eat that, but I need you to eat that. Why? Because if you eat that, you'll be whole. See, here's the thing. The thing, the reason that we are hungering is because we're refusing to eat what God's calling us to eat. Because he wants you to eat the truth, not your opinions and your emotions. 
He wants to become the bread of life, not just the bread to your emotional existence to feed you because you're hungry in the moment, but so that you are sustained throughout life. He says, I am the bread of life. And then week three, we dealt with, I am the light of the world. Oh, help us. Why has he got to be the light of the world? Because he came to illuminate everything that you are, even your bad stuff. I don't know if about, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus came to expose you. Expose your sin, expose your struggles, expose your shortcomings so that you might find out that with God, you're greater than where you were. That's what he came to do. He came to expose it so that you might see a greater life that God's called you to, not what the world's called you to. The problem is today's culture, the church lives in darkness. That, that, whole, that whole song, you know that whole song, this little light of mine, I'm going to shut up. Don't sing it. Don't sing it. That's a bad song. I don't like it. I said it last week. It's like we sing that song, This Light of Mine. Don't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. What, what kind of foolishness is that? If you got a light that Satan can it out, that ain't a light. That's a big lighter that's about to burn out. You need the all-consuming fire of God. When Satan sees that, he goes, oh, I got to go. See, that's the difference. See, people come to me all the time and say, Pastor, I'm a believer. I love God, but it seems like the enemy is always against me. It's because you haven't become a fire yet. You're still flicking your big lighter. God, look, I got the fire of God. Oh, no, where it went? God, where'd you go? God's like, I didn't go anywhere. You just didn't let it catch. The big lighter was to ignite the fire, not to be the fire. Got it? Okay. So we dealt with iron the light. So this week we're going to deal with part four. You ready? The book of John chapter 10, verse 7. The book of John chapter 10, verse 7. Now when I say if you got it, don't wait for them to put it on the screens to tell me you got it. Open your Bibles. Amen. Both Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you don't know where that is, you've never opened your Bibles. The book of John chapter 10. If you got your phone, I pray you charged it. Amen. Book of John chapter 10, verse 7. It says this. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door, verse 9. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more Abundantly this morning, I want to continue in this series with the next phase of this is I am the door. In John chapter 8, just kind of giving you a precursor as to why we're where we're at in John chapter 10. John chapter 8, Jesus is speaking to two types of Jews. He's speaking to the believers and the non-believers, the Jews and the Gentiles. I don't know about you, but there are both in this room today. Amen. There are people that are on the fence. There are people that have crossed over the pasture. There are people that are still playing on both sides. I understand that exists because I did it for many years. So please don't think that I'm calling you out and trying to. But my goal by the end of this morning is to get you to walk through the door. My goal is to get you to stop playing on both sides, but just to accept one. Jesus said, this is the day the Lord has made. He said, choose you this day whom you'll serve. That wasn't a whenever you feel like it, that is a right now, this is your moment. You're in this room, trust me, you're going to have a moment to decide whether, whether or not you're going to keep playing inside and outside or just go through the door. Jesus is talking to two types of Jews. And in John chapter 8, verse 31, he says as he says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciple indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Can I just say this for two seconds? Why is it that when he says this, Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, believed him, that means trust, if you abide in what? My word. He didn't say your church service. Can I, can I just deal with the southeastern Louisiana culture of church? Can I just say it? I don't mind saying it. There is a disease in this area. And this is the problem. We only abide in church. We don't abide in the word. I'm going to say it, and I'm going to tell you why. Because this is the funny part. If I abide in the word, then the Bible says that don't forsake the gathering of the brethren in one accord. In other words, don't overlook, don't minimize, don't devalue, don't disconnect from the gathering of the brethren. Brethren of what? The believers in one accord. What is the one accord? The church. But yet we will find every in this region. Please don't understand. I'm, I'm not knocking you. I'm talking about the region. We will find every excuse in this area not to go to church. But yet when all hell breaks loose, we call on God. Why is it that church is not equated to a sense of godliness? Because we don't want to equate it that way anymore because we want church easy. 
We want internet church. We want disconnected church. We want desocialized church. We don't want to be accountable to our sins. We don't be accountable to our lifestyles. We want to be accountable to the hiding of ourselves behind a computer screen and calling ourselves believers. Show me in the word where God said, here's an internet screen. All you got to do is just turn it on. No, he said, come to me, come to me, come to me. Now, I'm not saying you can't go to God in the moments that you're going through behind a computer screen. But please do not forget that when we come together, there is a strengthening that happens when we gather together and worship together. Watch this. I prayed really hard for Patricia this week. But when we all came, did you feel what happened in this room? Woo! It was like, yeah, that, that was better than any kind of narcotic you could have taken. I almost ran, but I thought, y'all, I think I lost my mind, which I already have, but trust me, it was there. Yeah. Why? Because, because there's something, there's power when we come together, but we don't do that anymore because culture has told us to disconnect, not to connect. <sighs> culture has taught us to, 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 to do things in a quiet way, but don't invite anybody in, don't spend time with people. But that's what Jesus' whole ministry was, was spending time with people. And if that was his ministry, shouldn't it be yours? In John chapter 9, Jesus heals the blind man. He spits mud in the eye, spits mud in the dirt, spits into the dirt and wipes the man's eyes with the mud. And when this man tells the church leaders that Jesus healed him, the church excommunicated him. I don't know if you've ever read that and studied that part out, but the church did not receive his healing. Which takes me back to that space that if you don't abide in my word, you will not understand the power of my word. If you don't abide in the word of God, you will not understand the power of God. No wonder we can't call on God in the midst of crisis because we don't even get into the book that, cre that wrote creation out. So we're trying to claim our opinions and our emotions to a moment that God says, declare my word and my power and my strength because mine is greater than yours. Listen, let me help you with something. God's healing declaration over your body is far greater than the declaration you probably said when you were in pain. Years ago when, I, when my back was messed up and I had degenerated discs in my spine and, and I was always like crooked and, and couldn't stand up straight and had to go buy a new bed because the only way I could sleep and all these things. And I, start, I, I was telling him, man, I feel, I, I'm dying. God says, you understand that every time you say that, you put one foot closer into that grave because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if you want to die, you keep declaring it. Or you start declaring my healing. Let me help you with something. After I stop declaring something as ignorant as I'm dying, I haven't had a back problem in five years. Why? Because God's bigger than my struggles. Because I understand the word. That the word is more powerful than I am. And if I abide in the word, then I abide in him. Jesus heals the blind man. The blind man tells the church leaders, the religious folk, amen. You know, those full-grown believers. The church excommunicated him. They kicked him out. They kicked him out. And in John chapter 10, verse 1, he says this. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Mm, put that scripture back up. Because I, I don't think you've ever read this one. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a shepherd, of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief or a robber. Anyone who sneaks, man, I'm telling you, this is the problem in the church. They were sneaking over walls instead of walking through the door. We're sneaking over walls. I, I, I'm just going to be here for a minute. I'll slide out in a second. I just came to get what I needed, and I'm going to roll out. Rather than walk through the door and go, God, here I am. I know I'm not pretty. I know I'm not perfect. I know I don't have it all together, but, God, I'm here because you called me. You called me into your marvelous light, so I'm standing here, and God, whatever you want to do, I trust you to do it. No, 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 no. I'm going to sneak in. I'm going to hide, and then I'm going to come in and steal because I've only come as a thief and a robber. I've not come to receive. I've come to hoard. And God began to deal with me as I read this and over and over and over. And I began to see the hoarding mentality of the church. We've come to hoard the emotional moments. And if it's not emotionally satisfying for us, then we go find it from another church. God did not come to satisfy your emotion. He came to satisfy your soul. He did not come to satisfy your moment. He came to give you eternity. Stop settling 
for an emotional moment because if all you're ever doing is looking for an emotion, you've snuck over the wall and you're a robber and a thief. Because you are taking rather than receiving. And Jesus said, I freely give. But in order to receive, you, in order to get the gift that he's giving, you have to be a receiver, not a thief. I've come to get mine. Don't steal from God. God will label you. He's already done it in his word. It's already been written before you ever did it. So stop. Just come in. Look, look, look. look. I, I don't make all the right decisions. I mess up. Can I get an amen from somebody in the church? No, Pastor, I'm holy. Okay, great for you. I'm not. I, I'm working on it. I'm a process. I'm still, there are moments I still make mistakes that I go to go to God and say, God, help me. I screwed up this thing up. God, help me. Help me. Don't help my wife. Don't help my kids. Help me. But, but you're the pastor. You're supposed. No, I'm not. Show me where in the word says the pastor's perfect. No, the pastor's flesh, and he has to go to God. And out of his going to God, the sheep go, well, the pastor will go, I probably should go too. Amen. What do you say? Follow me as I follow Christ? Yeah. Follow me as I follow. If I stop following Christ, please stop following. Because we're all going to die together. Amen. And I don't want that for you. It, the pro- I'm, I'm not, I don't have it all together. You can ask my wife, baby, do I make mistakes? You can say yes. It's okay. It's okay. I'll still love you. Amen. We'll still be happily married. Amen. Um, I make mistakes. I say the wrong thing. Can I get an amen from a man in the room? You ever say the wrong thing? Say the wrong thing and she gives you that face like. That's the sign of run in my house. Amen. When that face comes out, run. No, I'm just kidding. She's part Polish, part Italian. You know my problems. Amen. Yeah. Um, I make my mistakes. I screw up. But here's the truth of it. I need to understand that I have to come before God even in my weakness. I need to come before God even in my struggles. Hey, God, I'm not perfect. Help me. Help me, please. Help me. Stop helping everybody. Help, God, stop helping everybody else. Help me. It's amazing how much help we'll cry for everybody else, but we won't cry it out for ourselves. God, help them. God, help them. God, help No, God, help me. I'm selfish. Help me. I don't want to be a thief. If you do not come the way he has laid out for you in his word, then your intentions are that of a thief and a robber. I am sitting at home and looking in my backyard and seeing you. That's what God's saying. I'm sitting at home and I'm watching you. I see you. God's sitting in his house and he sees you coming. You think he's going to let you come? Absolutely. But you will walk out unfulfilled. Watch this. A thief is never satisfied till the next robbery. He gets one thing, and he's like, ooh, look what I got. And then the need for another thing takes over, and whatever he stole doesn't matter anymore. He's looking for the next big thing. This is what the church does. God, I've come in. I've come into your house. I'm going to get what I want. I walk, look, look, look what I got, look what I got. But you put it in your car, you put it in your home, it doesn't do anything for you. Because you didn't receive it, you stole it. Then you come back next Sunday, or people come back next Sunday, and they come to steal again rather than receive. No wonder the gospel's not changing people anymore. It's just sitting on their shelves. When we can have, what, 30, 40 different translations of the Bible because we got to make everybody feel good? When all we do is buy Bibles so we can stack them on shelves so we can call ourselves holy? But we never read it because we don't care what it says and we just want to get to eternity. That's a thief. Don't steal eternity. Don't steal eternity. You can't steal eternity. You can only receive the promise that God has for you and that is life and life more abundantly here and in heaven. time that we stop doing it this way in verse two and three it says this but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out can i read that one more time but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep if you're following the shepherd you won't sneak over the walls to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out, which tells me that the door is the access point to hearing the voice of God. That no wonder I struggle with hearing God's voice if I'm sneaking over the walls because I did not come to hear the master's voice. I've come to hear my own opinions. The doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. How many of his own sheep are in the room? Every hand should go like this right now. 
I am a sheep in the sheepfold. Some of you are not raising your hand. I'm going to keep my hand up until you do it. I don't care. You're going to lift your hand in church. Amen. Okay, I'm a sheep. You want to hear his voice? Then make sure you walk in the door. There is a process to this thing. There is a promise to this thing that if you desire him, then God, wherever you lead, I'll follow. And if you walk through that door, I'm walking through that door. His intentions are for you to come in the front door, not the back. I have this thing at home. I, we, we, how many of y'all enter your house through your garage? I don't know why this is like the acceptable thing now. I hide stuff in my garage. I don't want you seeing my garage. Can I get an amen from a man somewhere? I know y'all want, we all want immaculate garages as men. Mine is not immaculate. Mine needs a touch from the Lord. I have four kids. Everything goes in the garage. When my wife cleans the house, everything ends up in the garage. Where'd you put it? In the garage. Why? I didn't know where it went. You know, it's like that one magical drawer you ladies have that our screwdrivers always end up in. Well, you left it on the counter five seconds ago. It was on the counter. Yeah, I had to put it away. Why is it in the drawer? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Y'all know, okay, good. We're all on the same page. Just want to make sure. We'll have counseling after this. Amen. Uh, uh, there, there's this, there's this, this space where we, 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 we go through the garage, and I can't stand it. So I always tell my wife, if we have an event in the house, shut the garage. It drives me nuts. I don't know why. I don't want you coming in my back door. I want you to enter my front door boldly. Because when you enter in the front door, I know you're home. When you enter in the back door, you scare the poo out of me and I might shoot you. God's sitting in his house going, why would you sneak in the back door if your mind entered the front door because I gave you a key? Walk in. Stop sneaking. Look, we only sneak in the back door when we're in sin. Was it my wife was at the house having fun with the kids the other day, and my daughter walked in the door, and my wife, I wasn't home, but I heard the story later. Hope comes through the door, and she's like, hey, my tip screamed. She, she saw hope. She knew it was hope, but it scared the bejesus out of her because she did not know hope was coming in the door. Amen. Y'all ever had that moment happen? Somebody walks in the door, you're like, who's in my house? Because you think you know what's going on, but you don't know what's going on. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so why would we desire to go in the back? Well, I'm going to keep backdooring God. Why? He came in the front door of your life. He didn't come in the back door of your life. He came in the front. He approached you boldly and said, come here. Stop this. Let's change this. Let's walk this out together. He didn't come in the back door and go peekaboo. He was right there boldly waiting for you to allow him in. I stand at the door of your heart knocking, waiting for you to allow me in. If you don't know him, you'll get the opportunity to give him your name at the front door. Maybe, you don't, maybe you've never walked in the front door, but when you get to the door, there's somebody standing there. Can I get your name? Brian. Why did I not say my last name? Because my last name doesn't define me. Yeah. Jesus didn't have one, neither do I. Amen. Y'all ever wonder why I say that? Just a quick, just a quick liner. I, I don't have a good history with dads. Amen. I have two last names. I was born a Walden. I got my name changed to Dean when I was six years old. Neither one of the dads knew how to father me. And I, I was caught up in this process. Who's going to be my daddy? Then I found out one day that God was the greatest dad I could ever have. And if God didn't give Jesus a name, then Brian doesn't have a name. So I'm just going to walk in me being Brian. So when I get to the door, I don't have to go Brian Dean, which defines me to everyone that failed me. I get to say my name is Brian, the one that God, the one that you called. Okay, that's sidebar. I wouldn't even in my nose. That was just a good sidebar for you. So I get to the door, and I say, my name's Brian. And then he stands at the door, and he says, hello, everyone's attention. Brian's home. Hmm. And the Bible says that all heaven rejoices when that declaration is made. But for some reason, we keep coming in the back door. What's your name? Sam. Because we're afraid to be who God called us to be rather than just embrace the moments we've been in, listen, God is not looking at your mistakes. He's looking at your promise. And trust me, your promise outweighs your mistakes any day. The only reason we sneak through the back door is because we're ashamed of who we are. We're living in sin. We're afraid that what God might think. God doesn't think anything unless you put the thoughts in his head. God thinks one thing about you, that he loves you and he desires for you. And that is it. That is it. And anything other than that is contrary. God loves you and wants relationship. Would you stop entering the back door, stop sneaking around, stop playing back door Jesus, and play front door, I'm a child of the Most High. If you come in the back door, he now has to ask you for your name. Therefore, questioning your intentions. There is a greater relationship by entering through the door. Verse 4, it says this, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. 
yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from them from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke because those people were following people rather than Jesus. See, I always say this, what, what, what I do right here is very dangerous because I could declare something and you run home with it as truth. Now, I hate to, I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting pastors on, on spot here. I can stand here in this position because you respect that's the pastor. He's going to give us the word. I could say whatever I want to say here. You got to choose what you're going to believe. You go, man, pastor said this. I, listen, there are churches. Ooh, yeah, I got to be careful here. There are churches that have watered down the gospel Completely omitted hell, promised heaven without any responsibility, without any accountability. And then we go, that's the gospel. I can't find it. For I've looked. I'm sorry. I've looked. I've looked everywhere I can look in this Bible to find that message. I've looked to find out where that hyper grace foolishness comes from, where it says that, listen, all you got to do is accept him once. And, and then you can do whatever you want after that. Go sin. God, Jesus, you'll still get in. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. You know what death is? Eternity in hell. I know that's not popular preaching in church today. Most pastors don't even talk about hell anymore. They just talk about getting you to heaven. Well, what about saving the ones that are really on a one-way track to hell? No, we're not going to talk about those. Why? That's unpopular preaching. Then the whole gospel's unpopular if that's unpopular preaching. Why did Jesus come and say, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand? Why was he saying that? He says, I stand in front of you. I am the Messiah. You either choose me or you don't. And if you don't... You've rejected the Father. Because to reject me is to reject the Father. See, this is the problem. We don't want to talk about this anymore because we don't want Jesus to be the door. We want Jesus to come out in the front yard and play catch with us. Come play in my sin rather than me come home. There's a greater relationship when we enter through the door. When he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice, yet they will by no means follow a stranger. I, I'm, I'm telling you this. I have watched it. I've been in ministry long enough to watch people that follow pastors. It is nauseating. Well, my pastor, well, what did Jesus say? Well, my pastor said this. Well, I'm, I'm glad you listened to my preaching, but listen, I will challenge you. Go home. Take every scripture I give you and reread it for yourself. Then let God speak revelation to you like he's spoken revelation to me. Do you understand the only thing I'm doing here is giving you the revelation that he's given me as the shepherd of this house to feed you as believers? Yes. Now you have to go home and live it out and walk in it. Listen, that's like me giving you a hammer for your tool belt and going home and you trying to put nails in the walls with your hands. I don't know why Pastor gave me the hammer. It just looks good on my belt. No, I gave you the hammer so you take some pressure off. But you got to go home and apply the word. You got to go home and read the word and let it become life to you. How do I get the words I get every week? Because I keep walking through the door. Hey, hey, God, last week was really good. But, but I, I'm here because I need a fresh word from you. And God, can you give it to me before you give it to them? Can you let me walk it out before I ask them to walk it out? Can you let me live it before they have to live it so that I can be a proof that doing it this way through you works? That's what a shepherd does. A shepherd to the sheep, that's what he does. He goes to the Father and gets permission to live the life with God in front of the sheep so that the sheep might have a visual perspective on how to walk. But understand that in this walk, I have to not only walk with boldness and authority, but I also have to walk with humility. That means i got to stand here and admit when I've messed up. But that's what keeps me going through the door because I don't hide it. I boldly expose it. Jesus used this illustration, but they didn't understand the things which he had spoke to them. And in verse 7, it says this. It says, then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. He's not only speaking to the non-believer, but also to the church leaders. He says, I am the door of the sheep. Do you think that the culture that we deal with today of the pastor or leader-centered church is new? Jesus is dealing with it. I am the door to the sheep. You are not. Stop acting like it. Stop placating like it. Stop showboating yourself. Stop running into back rooms and running out to pulpits. No, spend time with my sheep. A shepherd has sheep when he smells like his sheep. People ask me all the time, why don't you, I know you're tired when you're done preaching. Why don't you just go back and rest? Because I like my sheep. I'm the last one to leave. Why? Because I love the sheep. 
When we stop loving the sheep, then we become focused on the attention of ourselves, and then we become the God that the church serves rather than him being the one that they serve. This whole center, this whole leader, pastor-centered church thing is not new to God. He was dealing with it in Scripture. He's saying to them that I am the door and that only through belief in and living for me can they enter. Uh, can I give you another side one? I'm, I'm, I'm all about debunking church theology. I love to put holes in it. This whole thing about pastors that say, that's my son, that's my daughter. I can't find one time in Scripture that the pastor ever had a right to call the people in his church sons and daughters, but that the Bible says that we should be sons and daughters of God. I cannot find where the church has turned its weirdness into a space where the pastor now has a bunch of children running around rather than God having his children back home. And let me just say it. i got to say it. It's because the church hasn't, has, been, has stopped being the house of God and has become the house of the pastor so his children can play. But this shall be called the house of God. This shall be called his house. Not Brian's house, not Tiffany's house, not my kid's house, but the house of the most high God. He's saying to them that I am the door and that only through belief in him and living in me can they enter. Not through church or the leader. Not through the church leader or pastor. Not through serving. Not through giving. Not, but only through a relationship with Jesus can they enter. It is through the relationship with Jesus that I desire to do these things. To go and be part of the local church. To be counted and not missing. To serve and to give to the local church. Because that is what my heart desires to do. And not only give of myself but even of my finances because the money is no longer money to me but it has become my responsibility of my life to make sure that the gospel continues on and however I need to do that I will do it here we go I have a problem with giving then you have a problem serving God for giving was not instrumented in just giving of finances but it was placed in the gospel in Genesis that giving was not a prerequisite it was a commandment by God but we go, no, it's mine. Baby, keep living with yours. And you'll keep sneaking in the back door playing hide and seek with Jesus. And not only to give of myself, but even of my finances, I don't struggle with these decisions because it's based on my relationship first and not my works, not the church. I don't give because the church tells me to give. I give because my Bible says give. I don't worship because the church leads three songs and it sounds real good and every pastor says, raise, hand. raise my hands. No, I raise my hands because this is a sign of surrender to the things of God. This is a sign that I'm pent up with the things of my own life. This is my sign of God. I don't know what else to do, but I'm going to trust you and I'm going to lean on you. But I'm not comfortable raising my hands. But we'll raise our hands to everything else. Because the most of the time when we raise our hand is when we want something. Or we want to be counted in a moment. But I lift my hands not, not in give me. This is the sign of give me. This is the sign of releasing. And I'm releasing everything that I am so that I might receive everything that he is. I, I, there is a difference in how we approach this. I do not do these things because the church tells me to do them. I do these things because I love the God that I serve. And I am always entering through the door. Chapter 8. You with me so far? Good. All whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find, for those of you who don't understand what that word pasture, rest. He will find rest. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So in reading that scripture, it begs me to make the statement that if I, as the pastor, open the door, I'm considered a thief and have come to steal, kill, and destroy. Did you, did you miss that part? I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out of the fine pasture. The thief does not come to steal except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life more abundantly. All whoever, in verse 8, all whoever came before me are thieves and robbers. All who tried to open the door without permission, without access, are thieves and robbers. And the sheep didn't hear them. 
That means if I try to open the door, if I try to become the door, then I've become a thief and robber to the things of God. At no time is a pastor supposed to be the one who opened the door for you to walk in as a believer. At no time am I to open the door for you. You're supposed to present yourself to the door. Why do we have altar calls? So you can present yourself to the door. God, I'm here. I was over there, but I'm here now. And I've come, and God, I'm standing at the door. And you've been knocking for a long time, and I've been ignoring, and I knew it was you. But I kept pulling the blinds because I didn't want to talk to you because I didn't want you to deal with my stuff. But God, I'm tired of walking in my stuff, so I've left my chair. I've left my bed of affliction. And I've come to the altar, and I've said, Jesus, here I am. I'm standing here ready for you to touch the confines of my existence, to touch the deepest places of my heart. That's why we create the altar. We've turned off the altar because we don't tell anybody to come home anymore. At no time is the pastor supposed to be the one who opens the door. I am only to walk with you to the door and tell you to knock so that you might meet him. Because everyone's knock is different. Watch this. There's difference in knocks. If you're a police officer in a room, you have a distinct knock. It's very heavy-handed. The reason I know that is because I've had that happen to me. More than one occasion, praise the Lord, please pray for me in my past. It's not a, no, that's, that's not that knock. It's, it's like your door's about to come off its hinges. If you, some of y'all are like, amen. I'm not trying to make you relive your past, but I know what it feels like. It's like, it will wake you up out of a dead sleep and have you running for the back door. Ah! Okay. Every one of us have a different knock. Some of us come in so timidly because we're afraid of our past. We're just. Oh, he didn't answer. Oh, he didn't answer. Praise God he didn't answer. You have to stay here a little longer, okay? No, 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 because he heard that. In fact, he saw you walk up to the front door. I got this thing at our front door called a ring doorbell. We know people are walking up to the door before they touch the doorbell. It's really cool. And my phone goes, boom, somebody's at your front door. It's like, yep, got you, sucker. Okay, Jesus has ring in heaven. He sees you coming. He knows you're coming. He, he's just waiting for you to t- take the full step. Why? Because a knock requires commitment. It's very easy to walk up to the front door and walk away. But when you knock, it announces to everyone on the other side of that door that you're home. How many times have you knocked? No, Pastor, it's better for me to just come to church. I know God wants to do something in me, but... Knocking on that door, that's weird. Because if I knock on the door and he opens up the door, I know what he's going to do to me. He's going to expose the things that I'm trying to hide. He's going to deal with things I don't want to deal with. And, and, and I'd just rather just live my life. That's the problem. You're living your life instead of your life in him. Well, I'll get to the point where, I'm, where I say that. At no time is a pastor supposed to be the one who opens the door. I'm just to walk you to the door and tell you to knock. A relationship with Jesus that is built on your own introduction creates a space that when you and you are in a struggle inside his house, you go to the one that opened the door. Jesus is the door. What is he the door to? The Father's house. He is the access point between God and man. Why does he say, I stand at the door of your heart knocking? Why? Why? If you let Jesus in, it bridges the gap that we've created between God and man. And, he's, and if, if we want a relationship, then we have to be willing to step into the house, knock on the door, let our name be called, and then walk in. And once we've walked in, we will find the answers we've been looking for so that in moments of struggle, we don't quit running to the back door. We just go back to the front door. Here, can I just say this to you, though? The moment that you've knocked on the front door and you've entered, you don't ever have to knock again. You're going to catch that one in a minute. Because this is what I have in church folk today. Church folk keep going back to the front door. Why is he not opening the door? Because he's standing on the other side wondering, why the heck is he knocking? I already gave him access. I already let him in. Oh, he forgot who he was in me. He forgot he was a part of my house. He's now become a visitor rather than one who has a room. He has packed up his belongings and moved out and forgotten who his source is. 
And the only reason he knocks is because he's gone back to a retrobate mind, a reprobate mind. He's gone back to the former things. And so now he has to present himself at the door again. And God is standing at the, behind the door going, Jesus, what, what, what happened? Why? Why? Dad, I, I got him here. I, I don't know. He, he turned around and walked away, and now he's forgotten who he was and what you did in his life. And now he has to be reminded. That's all that rededication is, is you being reminded of what God already told you. Can I just say this real quick? We'd stop rededicating our lives to God if we'd fully give our lives to God. <sighs> if I open the door, then you come to me. And that's the problem the church faces today. If I open the door for you, you'll keep coming back to me. I am not your source. I am not. I was talking to a pastor just the other day. We were talking about the struggles of ministry. And, I, and, and this, was, this was a Spanish pastor. And I said, you know what? You know what I'm tired of? And this, I'm going to be honest with you. Don't get offended if I say this to you. And don't get weird if I say this to you. But this is what I'm tired of. Pastor, can we meet? Sure. And then in a meeting, I find out they don't even talk to God. But they just want to talk to me. Like, I can fix you. You understand that whatever you tell me, I got to go to God with. That means I got to present it to the Father. We could have skipped me altogether. You could have just gone to God. Why are you coming to me? Well, because I thought, because you wanted a fleshly answer to your fleshly problems. Rather than waiting, I say wait upon the Lord. Because in due season... <laughs> See, here's the problem. The, church, the pastor has become the quick... McDonald's process of existence as a believer. Because if I go to the pastor, I'll get an answer right now. But if I have to pray, I might have to wait on God. The problem is, is that you don't realize what happens in the waiting. The waiting is where you're perfected. So I started doing this new thing where I, where I do this a lot of times. People go, Pastor, can we meet this week? Maybe next week. <laughs> you, won't, you don't love me. It's not that I don't love you. It's that I love God more than you. And my responsibility is to get you to God, not to my house. Not to my office, not to my green room, not to the back, not to, not, not, no, to, to God. So I need to make sure that you're going to go see God. You know what's happened when I started doing that? I started having less meetings. Or people leave the church. Because that happens too. Oh, you won't talk to me, I'm leaving. I've had people leave the church because I didn't smile at them. Praise the Lord. Dead serious, it's happened. The problem is, is that because we're trying to feed the flesh side of us rather than to feed the spiritual side of us, and Jesus is the way, God is the promise. Ah, why are we? I'm just here. This is, just, this is what I do. I'm here to declare the gospel. What does the gospel do for you? Gets you to what? God. <laughs> this is his book, not mine. I did not write it. He did. I'm just declaring words out of it. So that you might grow in it, so that you might have a greater relationship with him, so that when you finish this race, you might hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, not unto your pastor, not unto the church or the house slide out, but to God. If I open the door, you'll always come to me. Nope, I'm going to get you to the door and then tell you to knock. But pastor, I'm scared. Good, you should be. You doggone should be because everything in you is going to change the moment you knock. To many opened, to many opened back doors with secrets, secret ex exits rather than one. Wait, this makes no sense. What I just wrote here. You ever write something? You go, why did I write there? <laughs> Most of us would rather the back door because there's no requirements to the back door, but the front door requires accountability. It requires accountability. Verse 11, I promise I'm almost done. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, oh, Jesus. He who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees, wolf, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Okay, can I just, you're, you're not a pastor. I am. Let me just say something. There's a lot of pastors in the church today that are just hirelings. They are position-minded, anointing hoarding. I'm really trying to be careful because this goes on the Internet. They do not care about the sheep. They just care about the position. If you die, oh well, not my life. 
I'm just going to get my paycheck at the end of the day. As opposed to, no, when the sheep go down. Look, when I got the phone call the other night with Patricia Robin, it was, what, 1030, roughly? 11 o'clock, we went to the hospital. I was there till 3 in the morning. Pastor, why, why, why? Because it was one of our sheep. Why shouldn't we? Well, Pastor, you needed sleep. You needed rest. I mean, you got things going on. So what? I'm committed to the sheep. That's my life. That's what I do. And, and I don't walk in the room going, Pastor is here. All things can be made whole now. No, I walked into the hospital. I sat in the corner and I waited. I waited. I waited. I sat in the dark corner and waited to be called on. Because I knew the family had to walk through the moment. I was just there to make sure that the sheep stayed whole. Because that is my responsibility. I, there are too many people working in the church that don't care about sheep anymore. They just care about the production. They care about making it look good. And a lot of people go to church because it looks good. I'm not here to do that. I want to be family with you. That's why we say it all the time. Welcome home. Why? Because this is a family. This is another church that you walk in and play Sunday Christian. This is the part where you become family. But you're going to have to be a part of that family. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and know and known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus is the door, not just to one person, but to all. Can I say this to you? If you're a believer in this room, and you love God, and you're serving God, please do not think that the door is just built for you. I don't know if I want them in my house. Can, can I just say it? Pastor Ben, come on. I, I, I got to say this because I think this is a problem in the church. We keep telling people, no, nope, I'm not taking them to the door because the door's not for them. It's for me. That's my access point. Let me help with something. If you don't tell others where the door is, you'll forget where the door is. <sighs> because you'll tell people to follow you instead of follow God. I love to watch people that have little entourages. I, 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 no, and I'm telling you this because I'm a people watcher. It's where I've always been. I, I like to watch people who have little entourages. They, they gather people. And it's funny because they tend to gather people that are most like them. So if somebody's broken, they'll gather broken folk. If somebody's whole, they'll gather whole folk. If somebody thinks that they're religiously and spiritually arrived, they'll try to become God to them. Hmm. I don't forget one time I was at an event. I was, I was with some guys, and I, I was off to the side and I heard this one gentleman talking to another group of guys and the stuff he was saying was all directed towards his walk rather than a walk with God and I'm like hold up I might tell you where I've been I might tell you where I'm walking but please let me tell you something I'm trying to get you to walk with him because that's what I'm doing but for some reason in today's culture we're trying to gain fans likes attention do you really want that much attention do you really want that spotlight? Because I'll be honest with you, I, I, don't, I don't want that. I, I don't want that for my life. I don't want that for your life. I, I don't want you to live this life needing acceptance. I say this all the time, and I, and I don't mean to be a, a, a beat down of this one area, but I, 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 the more and more I think about it, the more and more I pray about it, I can't get out of it. I am every day having a bigger issue with social media today. Because we are so desiring for someone to approve of what we do. If I post this, then let me check it 42 times and let me turn on my notifications so I can hear how much people like me. The problem is most people don't even read what you write. They just hit the button because they want acceptance as well. We, we post it and we look at it. Oh, oh, and, and it's a problem. We've made social media the door. Instead of Jesus. Well, look at me, look at me, look at everybody, look at me. That's the problem is they keep seeing you and not him. Look what I'm doing. Look what I'm eating. Look where I'm on vacation. And there's nothing wrong with, 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 with blogging or, or, or 
covering your existence and covering what you do. But don't feel so needy to tell the world who you are. Because if you have to tell the world who you are, then you don't really know who you are. You know, back in the day when we had church, we didn't have to send out text messages and social media invites. And people just came to church. They just knew this is what we do as believers. We get up on a Sunday and we love to come to the house of God because that's where we get strengthened. That's where we grow in the things of God. Now, if I don't send a text message or if I don't put out a post on Facebook, this church or in churches all like us start to diminish because, well, I didn't get a personal invite. Listen, baby, Facebook isn't personal. It's public. And let me just help you. If you get the church text, it's one text. Everybody gets the same thing. I ain't got enough time in my existence to text all of y'all. I don't even like texting. But I do it because it's part of, but I, I've started to, I was talking to Pastor, I'm so frustrated right now. We don't have community. We don't have, we don't have socialization. We don't talk to each other. We post things. We post stuff. Well, I have friends. Boo, you don't have friends. You have stalkers. You have nosy folk. But they're my friend. I, I, I did see this posted. I thought it was really funny. A guy, a guy posted said, uh, to the two people who, who, uh, who bullied me in high school and in junior high, thank you for your friend invitation on Facebook. How many, how many of y'all have friends? Watch this. Watch. How many of y'all have friends on Facebook that weren't friends in the past? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Haters will always hate. They just find new ways to do it. My wife posted a thing on, on, on the internet. Y'all see her do a little coffee talks every once in a while. And that's just what God lays on her heart. She feels like she needs to share it, and it's a great thing for her. And she posts something, and she has friends from high school. And she's part of this whole group chat with all of her friends from high school. And one of them goes, I didn't know Tiffany was a pastor. Okay. All right, stank. Nasty behind. My wife's like, why would they? Baby, let it be. Because it's amazing. They never have any interaction with her. But the moment she declares the things of God, now all of a sudden they got interaction. Because they're watching. They're watching. Haters will always watch, baby. But family will always participate. Here's the truth of it. I, 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 I'm stuck in this space right now. And, and, and I know Facebook is part of our culture and it's part of the way we do things. And, but, but, but I'm never going to be that pastor that keeps posting social media because it gives the church more followers. Because if you're following the church, then you're really just following what we do. You're not following who we serve. If I got to get you into the house because I post pictures, then you don't want God for eternity. You want God for an emotional kick. Because pictures fade, but eternity doesn't. I know y'all look at me like I'm crazy. Pastor, don't touch my Facebook. Don't touch my Instagram. Stop letting it touch more of you than God does. If it's become an obsession, let it go because it's become a door in your life rather than him. Walk away from it. You want me to walk? You, want, you see, that's the problem. Anything that you can't walk away has become a lifestyle to you. Walk with me for a second. If I'm like this all the time, then I'm probably not like this. That's funny. I didn't even open this up. Psalms 115, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory. Because of your mercy, because of your truth, why should the Gentiles say, so where is their God? But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He'll bless the house of Aaron. He'll bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the 
children of men. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor any who go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Now watch, when you read something like that, everything else shuts off. That wasn't in the message, baby. That just happened to be where my Bible was open. Why? Because the door is greater than every other way I keep trying to go. Everybody stand to your feet. And this is how I'll close. Verse 16. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. Better hear that real quick. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. What is he saying? You might be standing in this room and say, Pastor, I've never entered through the door. He hasn't quit on you. He still desires for you to come to that door. So this is how we'll close service today. There's a two-part to this one. So let me deal with the first one. If you've never walked through the door, this is your day. And let me tell you something. Just let me say it immediately. It's scary. It is. It scares everything inside of your flesh. Your mind and your emotions tell you don't do it. You don't want to go up there. Everybody will laugh at you. People, people will talk about you. Heaven's already talking about you. Might as well just include yourself in the conversation. This morning, the door has been presented, and it sits here at the altar. You just have to decide if you're ready to go to the door. But understand that if you come to the door, Jesus will open it, announce your name, and you'll finally be home. If that's you in this place, without any reservation in your spirit, you know if I'm talking to you. Come to the altar, please. This is my moment. I'm coming to the door. All right. All right. Just come, just come spread across. Don't feel like you got to stand on top of each other. Just stand where you want to. The altar is the door is right there. Then there's one more part. This is the part that's always the toughest. You stand in this room, you've been through the door you forgot you had a room in the house. You keep going, oh, Jesus. You keep walking up to the door thinking you got to knock because you think God's angry with you. God's not mad at you. He just wants you to remember who you are. He says, here, the door is open. Stop knocking. Just come in. If that's you and you say, Pastor, I've, I've walked away from the door and I've, I've forgotten and I've, I've lost my way, but today's my day. Come on. Come on right now. Come on. Just don't miss your moment. I'm tired of you playing outside the door wondering if God will receive you in his house. Just come home. Just You don't even have to knock right now. You just, you're walking past the threshold. You're, you're walking through the door. God, God, I'm home. I, I've, and you thought God gave your room to somebody else. No, your room still has all your stuff in it. He's just been praying, waiting for you to walk back in anybody else because now I have to play shepherd because there are those of you sitting in your seat that want me to believe that you're home and you know you're not yes I am I'm home the front yard on the curb with all of your belongings is not home. Stop ignoring moments to come home. I can't scream that loud enough. Stop missing your moments to come home. So I'm offering this one more time. If that's you in this room and you're ready to come home, now is your moment. Get to this altar. Let me say this under the unction of the Holy Spirit. For those of you that did not come, although God told you to come, my prayer for you in this moment is that God will give you the strength to overcome your fears. I'm not, I'm not condemning you. 
but I so long like my father does for you to come home. Stretch your hands to the ones that are standing at the altar this morning. If you're at this altar, lift your hands and receive this moment. attention please they're home not how dare you I can't believe you to know they're home this is the moment we've been waiting for and let me say this to you you're standing at this altar all heaven is rejoicing I mean they are shouting with praises trumpets are blaring Sound systems are going off. Alarms are erupting in hell because you have crossed the threshold of your world into his world. You are not what they've said about you. You are God's favorite. <laughs> we can't all be yes, we are all God's favorite. This is the day he made for you. Take a deep breath. The pressure fell at the doorway. The struggles of this life fell. Now be free. For he whom the Son has set free is free forever. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Where you stand? Look at me. Whatever's behind you, leave it. Leave it. Just leave that sucker behind. You're home. You're home. Come on, you can smile now. You can smile. You know, who's going to come, come up behind you and peekaboo? You know. You don't have to worry about that. You're home. You're free. And if anybody wants to remind you of your past, dismiss them. Go away, devil. Just look at them. I don't care if they got a real name. Call them a devil. Just go away, devil. Somebody says, you did this. Go away. Bye, devil. I ain't got time for you. If it's your spouse, don't call them devil. That could get real weird. I didn't want to have to have marital counseling later. Amen. But if, but if people want to remind, ah, you know what, on, on, on Sunday, I gave that up. I got tired of standing out in the front porch. I'm home. I have a place in the kingdom. I have a place with God. I'm free. I'm free from my past. I'm free from my struggles. Now I get to enjoy my life. That's what he brings to me. Amen.